Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits, our podcast designed to help uh, nonprofit organizations plan more successful uh, and more profitable events, also to get your stress level down. I'm Danny Hooper. I'm your host on today's show. We're coming to you uh, from Orange County, California, the head office of Winspire. I'm joined here today by my good friends, uh, Ian Loth, the ma- uh, marketing director with Winspire, and Renee from Donation Match. Renee, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm so glad Linda was able to to be on this episode today. She has a wealth of experience um, from really her passion. You know, she started out as someone who simply wanted to fundraise for one organization and look and you'll hear where it's taken her now. And the Linda we're talking about, of course, is Linda M. West uh, based out of San Diego. Very, very interesting story. Ian? Yeah, you know, what I, What struck me about Linda is, uh, and I think a lot of you, our listeners out there, will appreciate it. She's kind of really started from, from nothing, not really being involved in, in nonprofits at all, and has really made a, a mark on, on the industry here locally. Um, but she has some really, you know, sage advice for those of you who are uh, looking to persevere uh, when it comes to organizing those, fu- those fundraising events, pushing through, and, and never stopping until you reach those goals that you set for yourself. Uh, Ian, as you know, I'm based uh, up in Canada. Love coming down here to Southern California, and I think it's very cool that in a number of our episodes of Events with Benefits, we have featured uh, people who work in the non profit space, many of them based right here in California. And what I think is so cool about that is this is an ultra competitive market. I know where I'm from up in Canada. Uh, To my knowledge, I'm the only one in our marketplace that is a fundraising, uh, professional fundraising auctioneer. You get into cities down here like San Diego, and you probably have a thousand professional fundraising auctioneers to choose from. So a lot of competition down here in all areas of the nonprofit space. So we're going to uh, uh, join up here now with uh, Linda M. West. And I was really intrigued to hear how she is using masterminding to help the organizers she works with achieve more success. And let's find out more about that now. Well, our special guest, Linda M. West. And uh, Linda, thank you, uh, first of all, for taking the time to join us today on our podcast event with benefits. And the whole purpose of our podcast is to help uh, educate uh, organizations and individuals that uh, flourish and, and work or want to flourish, I should say, in the nonprofit sector. We know it's a great big universe out there. And maybe you can share with us where you have landed in this space. And uh, in particular, um, tell us a little bit about your background, and and then we'll move into what it is that you do. Hi, Danny. Thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine to be here. So I want to thank you for having me. Uh, I started my nonprofit world uh, 16 years ago. I found that I could raise money for a charity and I could go to Hawaii and I was so excited. So I joined this charity um, team and training, which trains people to run marathons, half marathons, do triathlons, and they go to locations. And so I joined them to raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And what I found was so much bigger than I ever imagined. First of all, they taught me how to run a marathon, which was the first thing because I literally went from couch to running a marathon in four months, and I was 40 years old. I decided I was going to do that. I did it, first of all, selfishly because I wanted to go to Hawaii, and I couldn't afford it, and I figured if I raise money, I can go. And not one second (laughs) went by 
that I didn't think I was going to make it. Like I always knew I was going to be able to raise all the money I needed. And I always knew I was going to finish the race. And so four and a half months after I joined the program, I was in Hawaii and I was enjoying Hawaii and running a marathon, going up Diamond Head. It was absolutely amazing. That's how I got started with the all in the nonprofit arena. All right. And, well, and, and what in particular is it uh, that you do today? Today, I help nonprofits to gain confidence to ask for what it is they want or need in order to get their programs out there. The there's so many nonprofits that are kind of scared to ask for what they want because they feel like, I, this is what I've noticed, is they feel like they're asking for themselves. But they need to like get out of their head and realize that if they don't ask, then they can't further their programs and help more people. Very good. So how exactly do you mentor uh, nonprofits. I mean, you're based down there in San Diego. I uh, I know that you work with people across North America. And how how exactly do you do that? I lead a mastermind accountability program that's for business owners as well as nonprofits. And I use mostly women that are involved. I found that they kind of gravitate to me, which is kind of cool. But I help them in a way where we mastermind together. Masterminding is getting two or more people that have like minds in an area. You get them together to hash out thoughts, ideas, brainstorm, or what have you, so that they can continue on their quest and having support from other people behind them that helps them continue. Well, that's interesting. So how actually do you conduct these mastermind sessions? Do you do it, uh, I guess, online? Uh, you use Skype, or what do you do? Yeah, I do have people who are remote, but I also have people who are located here in San Diego uh, what we do with the ones that are local is we actually meet in person. We meet three hours a week, one day every week for three hours. Because what I found is with a lot of mastermind programs is they'll mastermind either on the phone or in person for an hour, and then everybody goes on their way, and then life gets in the way. You know, things just get thrown at them that they didn't expect. And most times what happens is they don't finish everything that they had on their list that they wanted to do. And so what I've done is I've circumvented that um, accountability portion, and I've stuck it at the beginning of my mastermind. So we meet for three hours. We mastermind with each other, brainstorming for one hour, and then for two hours, we actually sit there and get the work done. And it's funny, when I first started doing this, I, I knew it would work in person, but I wasn't sure, will it work remotely? And I tested it out, and I found that it actually does work remotely because when people are on it's on video. We do it through Zoom. And when they're there and they can see me looking at them, you know, I can make sure that they're working and not getting up and washing clothes or, you know, doing laundry and things like that. Okay. Uh, it sounds fascinating. I'm I'm really intrigued about the whole concept of masterminding. Uh, personally, I was uh, first introduced to it many years ago back, I guess, in the late 1980s, 90s, I was selling real estate back in the day with uh, with uh, Remax. And, and we had a, in our city, we had a mastermind group. And it was a privilege to be a member of that group. And what I found in a mastermind group is obviously 
more brains are better than one brain. And I also found that the mm -hmm. people attending the mastermind sessions, the more successful they were, uh, the more willing and able they were to share that uh, their knowledge and their information. And at that level, there were no secrets. Um, I would imagine here in your masterminds that we have a lot of uh, a lot of the people that join your masterminds might out on the street be considered competitors, uh, yes or no, for those fundraising dollars, yet they come together. Tell us how that works. Right, that's a, a very good point. And I agree with you, I mean, the more successful people are, the more available they are because they love to share their knowledge, you know, what they've learned along the way. Um, and it is hard with the fundraising dollars. There's People have different causes they want to support. So it's like how did uh, one breast cancer um, nonprofit get money whereas opposed to another breast cancer nonprofit doesn't get the money? You know, how do they do that? Well, it's all about you know, the stories that they tell to their potential donors and making sure that they massage the relationships and, and they're continually uh, sharing with them. And I find that a lot of nonprofits, what they'll do is they'll hold their hand out and then they'll disappear and then they'll come back and hold their hand out and then they disappear. So they don't foster the relationship. So that's one thing we work on is making sure that they continually foster the relationships so they're building, they're building you know, lifelong uh, donors. Okay, let's um, let's just dig down here for a moment and uh, and uh, take a look at the actual structure of your three-hour mastermind group and and how do you you've kind of talked about the first hour is just brainstorming but obviously you don't all get together sit down with a cup of coffee and just start brainstorming how do you actually structure the mastermind? Well, we actually go around the group so there's no more than ten people in a group. And each person has an opportunity to share any wins that they've had for the week. They also share what they're working on and what they're struggling on with. Because once they share with us what their struggles are, then that's when we can all come in and get and have ideas and thoughts that might get them past that, you know, just break past that process. You know, a lot of times we get stuck in the, I can't, I can't, because I'm so overwhelmed and what we do is we break it down so it makes it so not so it's not so overwhelming to them and then they can make headway. And so one thing that's beautiful about this is that every week they make headway by throwing the two hours in every session where they actually sit down and get work done. Every week they walk away having accomplished something and they walk away knowing that, okay, at least I got that done this week. Okay, very, very interesting. Uh, you know, you talk about people that get into that mindset of I can't, I can't. I, I learned a long time ago there's a, uh, there's a big advantage to changing the wording from I can't to I won't. And yeah. instead of saying I can't do something, when you start to say I won't do it, then, you know, it puts the responsibility on our own shoulders to ask ourselves why we won't do it. And, and uh, invariably you come around to a place where you realize, well, I can do it. So Right. Uh, now, what? just give us an example, real-life example, if you can, or a story. So you've got somebody around the table. You've got 10 people around the table. You take an hour brainstorming. The simple math would say everybody has about five minutes to, to share. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Right. And then yeah, how do you – Six minutes, yes. Who, who decides what the tasks are that need to be done that you do over the next couple of hours? Well, of course, each situation is different because they're all coming from either, you know, different areas – they have different goals, and so everybody is different. So what we do is we, if somebody might have experience in a certain area that can actually help them, and it's not that everybody always has a solution. Sometimes we just have to brainstorm and come up with our own ideas 
and to help them. But the whole group, because we all come from different walks of life, we all have different experiences, we're all able to tap into our experiences. And most likely when you get 10 people in a room, somebody has done the thing you're working on doing. Now, I have a lot of nonprofit experience. I started my own nonprofit several years ago and went through the whole thing of, you know, building my board of directors and, you know, starting off with my family and friends and realizing that that was not the smartest move to make, you know. It's like I've gone through so many different uh, things with starting my own nonprofit and, you know, raising the money, putting on the events. I, my last event I held, we had 3,500 people show up. And, and you know, so going from I don't know what to do to learning throughout the years the, pro- the process it takes in order to get yourself out there for your awareness, to raise your money, and, you know, how do I keep fostering, like it's fostering the relationships. So I have a lot of experience in the nonprofit arena, of course, but some of the other uh, women in the group are business owners, so they might have different um, areas that they can help with and align, along the lines of business because a nonprofit is a business. It's just a not-for-profit business. So, Linda, um, this is Renee here. Uh, So, like you mentioned, you do have that experience of organizing large festivals, and I've seen you pull them together in very Mm -hmm. short periods of time. Um, Uh I'm curious, you know, did did you do a mastermind before creating your own? Is this helping you? Do you do you even use, do you use these masterminds to help you process through even the festivals you're still continuing to plan? And really, how do you pull those festivals together? Because I know that's an event type we haven't talked about yet on our podcast that I feel like, you know, that a lot of nonprofits do do you know they'll do carnivals festivals and i think those have a very unique planning dynamic that i think mm-hmm. we'd love to hear about okay well I'll, I'll start off with first my first fundraising when i you know, did this 16 years ago for leukemia and lymphoma society i did everything from washing cars watching dogs watching babies watching houses you know i did every little thing to make my you know 50 dollars here 100 dollars here so i could meet my goal and so along that line, I learned a lot of different things that work and that don't work. And then throughout the years, I would just try different things that I wanted to do that I would hopefully be able to raise money for charity. But what happened was about, uh, oh, just a couple of years ago, I had an epiphany. I was actually working. I worked for a judge in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. I was a secretary. And I came home one day because I told my husband, I i got to quit my job because I'm not doing what I love doing. I love helping nonprofits raise money. I have been putting on events for, you know, 14 years by that time, all doing it not for money. I never made a dime doing it. I just did it because I loved it so much. And so when I quit my job, I was like, I have to go in full bore. Both feet have to, you know, land on the ground, and i got to just go out there and do it. And what was amazing, and uh, whether people believe this or not, but I truly do, is, divine intervention, I was sent 10 people that I needed on my team that were a perfect match for putting on this event I wanted to put on called the Lemon Zest and Garlic Fest. And I know Renee knows all about this event. It was really, truly incredible. So I had an advertising team. I had graphic designers. I had web designers. I had everything I needed in order to pull off this event. What ended up happening is the date of the event San Diego received the most rain it's received in its recorded history. Oh. And it was oh. the, 
It still hurts. It just hurts to yeah. hear about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, you know, it was really crazy because we got there at 4 in the morning. We got everything set up. You know, the whole team is there. We had 160 volunteers. This was the biggest event I had ever put on. Prior to that, I had put on events that had maybe 50 or 60 people. And I wanted to have 1,000 people at this one. Why did I think I could pull it off? I don't know. I just knew we could. And we ended up selling 700 tickets prior to the event. And that was because the marketing team that I had, they were absolutely amazing. And we show up at the event at 4 a.m. We get everything set up. And it looks so cool. It's so amazing. Like, like we put this together. And the event starts at 11. We open the gate, 11 o'clock. The band plays a song. At 11.05, the heavens opened up and started pouring down, helping us with rain, thunder, and lightning in San Diego in July. It was absolutely crazy. So, <laughs> so, so how did that story, how did that story <laughs> end? Okay. So that, so that rained for three and a half hours solid. It was solid. The beer vendor, you know, they were like, we don't, we can't do this. We can't be here because lightning is going to strike us. Tents <laughs> were collapsing. Um, vendors were sharing tents. They were like somebody's tent would collapse. So they would just move over to the next vendor's tent. People were smiling, laughing, having a great time. There were puddles. Kids were, you know, jumping in the puddles and just having a really great time. All the pictures I have is of people smiling because they were having a blast. But I got to tell you, I didn't get the, um, the photo collateral that I was looking for because I hired a drone that I had to cancel. You know, I had all these plans of all these photos I was going to have for next year's event, and none of that happened. The band had to stop playing. They could only play one song because the equipment was getting ruined. Um, you name it, it happened. They almost shut down our beer garden. You like, <laughs> you name it, it happened at that event. But what ended up happening from that event that was absolutely incredible is we got so many compliments about our volunteers, about our staff. Um, the vendors loved it. They thought we were so amazing. They loved what we did, even though they were being pelted with rain, even though they lost money. They're like, I am coming back. I'm coming back to every event you do because I love what you did and what you did for us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it ended up we had, um, I had to refund a lot of money. Um, one thing I, learned on this the biggest lesson i learned on this is make sure you have a rain or shine clause you know and then make sure <laughs> it's you a, have it's no a refund. simple little simple little sentence on the back <laughs> of a ticket can make a big difference yeah well it was july <laughs> in san diego i mean it shouldn't have had rain you know so i learned uh i learned so much just from that one it literally was um put into the fire because i quit my job in november and by july we had this event, but the idea for the event didn't even come around until March. So like Renee said, it was fast, four months from idea to event. And we had over 700 people show up. So what have and you learned? What have you learned in all of your years of experience and the ups and downs? Uh, what have you learned that you can share with other nonprofits out there or organizations that maybe are uh, fairly new and just uh, getting started thinking of having their first event or perhaps some that have uh, been having reasonably successful events but want to take theirs to the next level? 
So there's a couple things. One, one thing I would share is that reach out and ask for help. If your board of directors isn't cutting it, reach out and ask for other people to help. That's the first thing. Ask people who have been there before because they can cut a lot of time off from you, from you struggling and going through and saying, what did we do wrong? They can tell you, this is what you are going to do wrong if you do it. You know, Put together your budget. First thing, put together that budget because if you don't have a budget, at the end of the day when you look and you see that you might have either broken even or lost money, you're going to be thinking, I wish I had put together a budget. And the last thing is to stay the course. Stay with it. Figure out what didn't go right this time, but do it again next year. Keep going with it. Keep building it. It might not be as much as you want it to be the first time out, but the second time you can make it better. My second event, I had 3,500 people. Huge growth, five times more than my first event, than my second event, 3,500 people. And that was from the positive attitude I knew we couldn't lose because I knew and truly believed in what I'm doing, and I had the team compiled to make it happen. So that second event, then, was that a fundraising event? Yes. Um, the first one was for a charity called Nesefu Wildlife Conservation, and they're preventing poaching in Africa. And then the second event was for Helen Woodward Animal Center. Okay, so what are some of the different income streams that uh, event uh, planners or organizers or nonprofits can incorporate uh, into their events to generate money that ultimately can flow through uh, to the different cause, uh, different causes? There's you know several different ones, but um, like the big ones are going to be sponsorships. Is to get sponsors on board, you know, anywhere from five hundred up to you know fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. But the caution I have on that is sponsors are inundated with requests all the time. So it's important to make sure you know who your sponsor is that you're going for and make sure that they align with your cause and your mission. Otherwise, you're going to be wasting your time. And make sure you can deliver exactly what they want and exactly what you're saying you're going to deliver. And I will give a big tip on that because I met with um, a humongous multi-billion dollar company and I'm sitting across from them and I asked them what is it you guys want and they said we want that whatever you promise us that you actually deliver it most companies will come and they'll ask us for sponsorships we give them money and then we don't hear from them again Hmm. and so I you know the biggest caution to me is to make sure that you over deliver always under promise and over deliver because then they trust you and they'll sponsor you again next time. Well, that's interesting. So that's the yeah, you talk about the repeat sponsorship. Of course, I think at all times in any business, we're looking for repeat business. Uh, mm-hmm. We're looking for referrals. And I would imagine because you've done a good job the first time around with a particular sponsor that not only can you go back to that well, but is it reasonable to expect that that sponsor might in turn refer you to people in their network for additional sponsorship? Definitely, especially if you do a great job. Like if you under under promise over deliver, they're going to be like, oh, my God, this person was amazing. Look at what they did. You know, um, you can really trust them. And they're going to, of course, talk about you to other potential sponsors and ask them, you, who else do you know that would like to you know, be part of our event? Yeah. Just ask them. They'll tell you. Talk about some of the things, uh, perhaps, Linda, that you put into your sponsorship package. 
oh, advertising is the biggest thing. You know, they're paying for advertising. They want people at the event. They want people to see their logo. They want people to get their products. Um, one of the, of the biggest things, I think, is, especially when you're going for big money, is to ask the sponsor what they want. Because in your package might not be everything that you can give to them, but you didn't think about it. So you can always ask them. But some of the things would be um, advertising. Uh, like, for example, I had a billboard, and we advertised on there. Um, of course, there's always you know, your website and uh, Facebook and you know Twitter and all those social media outlets. And then there's radio. You can do radio ads, get radio buys. Um, you can go on get TV spots. Uh, a lot of times you can easily get on TV. It doesn't cost you anything. You can get on there and you can talk about the sponsor. But you want to make sure you only promise what you can actually deliver, like I said. So if you're going to promise TV, make sure you get them their name mentioned on TV or their logo or something. There are restrictions as to... Like sometimes for beer companies, for example, there's some places that you can and cannot advertise beer companies. So you want to make sure that you're clear on where you can and can't do that. Okay, very good. Um, we talked a little bit about sponsorship here as a as a revenue stream. Um, what are some other revenue streams uh, when you're hosting an event? Ticket sales, uh, of course, are going to be a really good one because you can just about have 100% um, profit on those depending on what you're doing with your ticket sales. And then, of course, your know, donation match. I love doing the um, online auction, I mean, uh, online auctions, doing the online ordering through donation match. They are an amazing company and they do the raffles and then I can do like online, I'm sorry, I keep saying online, um, in-person auctions with an auctioneer. Those, you can make a lot of, raise a lot of money through those items and they don't cost you a dime. Thanks for that little plug, <laughs> Linda, unsolicited. <laughs> I, I love the donation match. You know, Renee, I've talked to you about it so much. It's the first thing I recommend to any new nonprofit that I meet. I'm like, have you heard of donation match? Because oh. it, it's so easy to use that platform instead of sending letters, making all these calls. You just go in and you sign up. I call it shopping for donations, you know, because it's so fun, you know, and I don't have to spend anything. I just spend a little bit of time and get what I'm looking for. Well, I think on our podcast here, too, we're trying to get the confidence of our listeners up so that they're not afraid to go out there and ask because that is one of the fundamental success principles is just ask, ask, ask. Don't fear rejection. I mean, if somebody says no, you simply respond by saying next and you move on to the next one mm -hmm. because ultimately somebody is out there always. There's somebody out there just waiting to say yes. So I think people have to remember lots of times it's just a numbers game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just you just ask if they say no. A lot of times they it's it's just not right now. Maybe they don't have the money right now, or you know they don't understand what your cause is. Sometimes it's a matter of being able to clearly uh, describe what you do so that they can know if they want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, let's talk uh, a broader view right now. Uh, what are you observing uh, from your perch? Uh, as to trends out there in the nonprofit uh, sector, nonprofit space, what are some interesting, new, and exciting things uh, moving forward here in 217? Well, I'm thinking that you know, there's been a lot of the uh, crowdfunding going on and just telling the stories. And Facebook just recently added a donation 
like where you can go on and, and get donations on Facebook, and people are doing a lot of that right now. So I think that's going to be the 2017 trend, but also doing live videos where you are getting out there and you're talking about what it is you're doing. You're showing the cause to people live where they can actually interact with you live. They can ask you questions. You can answer their questions right there. Instead of doing just video shoot where you shoot and post, you're doing live videos, I really think is going to be the big thing this year, at least, in 2017. If people want to learn more about uh, these types of platforms and use, utilizing social media, I know you do a masterful job of it, but uh, what are some resources where they can go to get some more information? Uh, well, they can go to my website, lindamwest.com, um, and you can set up a time to, like a discovery call to talk to them to see how I can help them. That would be one thing. But there's so many resources out there. And with the live videos, I'll just give you a quick example. I've been doing videos for two and a half years and every single day because of a promise I made to somebody. And um, it's been absolutely amazing what it's done for my reputation as far as uh, being committed to doing something and sticking to it. But that's one of the things that's really important is that if you um, are consistent and people know that they can rely on you, that they're going to come to you when they're ready. They're going to know that you're doing that particular thing. But it's really about getting yourself out there, um, making yourself known. Um, don't be too shy with your competing in San Diego with 15,000 nonprofits. It's not time to be shy and hope people hand money to you to your cause. It's time to go ask them for it and get yourself out there. Excellent. Well, it's interesting, even though our podcast originates here in Southern California, and we have been focusing a lot on uh, on uh, organizations, nonprofit organizations based in California, this information is so valuable to people all across North America, and it's great we're able to glean this knowledge from such a competitive marketplace because you folks down here have really boned up on your game and figured a lot of this stuff out and competition will do that so i think that's a real plus in having the show uh, you know centered out of here yeah and you, you can have a fantastic cause and a fantastic nonprofit, but if you're not putting yourself out there you're doing a disservice to the people that you serve you're not able to serve them as well so it's a matter of like i said just putting yourself out there you got to ask 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 just keep asking be diligent don't give up don't give up on them all right. Well, I'm really intrigued by this uh, this concept that you're that you're utilizing uh, uh, masterminds and how they can help. And and for people that want to get more information on perhaps organizing their own mastermind uh, group in in their community uh, to help their nonprofits, uh, would they be able to contact you? And and how would they go about doing that? Yeah, they can definitely contact me. My email is l y n d a at L-Y-N-D-A-M-W-E-S-T.com. So it's Linda at LindaMWest.com. And I'm more than happy to help people masterminding. I think it's, it's so important because it gets us out of our own head and it helps us see things more realistically. And then it also gives us that little oomph and push to just keep going, keep going. All right. The uh, <clears throat> takeaways, we'll give you a second here to think about three takeaways that you might offer our listeners before we wrap up uh, today, but uh, I know Renee's got another quick question for you. Well, Linda, I'm mm -hmm. just uh, wanting to find out, so what do you have planned for 2017 for yourself, aside from these masterminds? Um, any new events coming up? What else is on the horizon? 
Well, that's a great question, Renee. You know I like to do a lot of different things. And um, what I've done, decided to do right now for 2017 is to focus on building the mastermind. Because I know that if I'm helping, you know, one person, that they're helping a lot of other people as well. So I can help more people um, and more causes by helping my mastermind. So my goal is to get up to 300 people in my groups by the end of 2017. Big goal. Up to 300 people in your mastermind group? Yeah, in di- different groups. Different, different. yeah, not at one time. I'm thinking, my gosh, you're going like, to be like Joel Osteen before you know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about the three takeaways. If, uh, if you had anything, you've had a lot to offer here today, a lot of gems. But uh, if there were three things that you wanted today's podcast listeners to take away, what might those three things be, Linda? I would say that would be to ask for what it is you're looking for, to be clear on what it is you're asking for, and then to keep going. Even you feel like you're feeling uh, like it's not going to work or whatever, just keep going, keep pushing ahead. All right. You never know where that next yes is going to be. Exactly. Okay. Well, Linda M. West, it has been such a pleasure having you on today's episode of Events with Benefits, a podcast, of course, designed to help people in the nonprofit space uh, get their stress levels down, like we say, and get their profits way up. And I think you've shared some good information Mm -hmm. with us. So thank you very much, Linda. Thank you, Danny and Renee. I really appreciate it. Talk to you again. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of Events with Benefits. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please, please rate us wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to share this with anyone you think it can help. You can find more information about our guest and resources in the show notes at www.eventswithbenefits.com. And please stay tuned for more episodes coming up very, very soon. Thanks all, and we look forward to seeing you next time.